Hello, and welcome to the Frontier Strategy Group podcast series. FSG is the leading emerging markets, information, and advisory services firm. We partner with business leaders at over 200 multinationals by providing them with research, analytical tools, and proprietary data that help power their emerging market business strategies. The focus of today's podcast is a discussion with FSG's head of sub-Saharan Africa research, Anna Rosenberg, and it's about the outlook for the continent in 2015. My name is Richard Leggett, and I'm the CEO of Frontier Strategy Group. Anna is joining me today from FSG's London office. As a reminder, this research and all of our content is available via our portal at portal.frontierstrategygroup.com or via your FSG iPad application. Anna, welcome. Hi, Rich. Pleasure talking to you today. It seems a little late to be saying Happy New Year, but Happy New Year nonetheless. To you as well. Thank you. I've been looking forward to this discussion, having followed closely the growth story coming out of sub-Saharan Africa in 2014. And I thought maybe to set the stage for the discussion, you could provide us with a quick overview of what 2015 will look like for the continent at the headline level. Sure, Rich. So we've just released our regional overview for sub-Saharan Africa, and the title there is that growth will persist, but prepare for volatility, and that really sums it up nicely. When we look at sub-Saharan Africa, the region will continue to be the second fastest growing region in the world at approximately 4.6% year on year, but our clients will have to prepare for a volatile 2015 because of critical elections, a falling oil price, and rising inequality as well. And those are sort of summary headlines. I guess when we dig a little bit deeper, let's talk about the big storylines or the big themes that we're tracking that you would guide our clients to be tracking as they think about the region in 2015. Well, I think the biggest story is, of course, the impact of the low oil price, both on oil exporters, but also on oil importers. We have um, elections in a few key markets, particularly Nigeria coming up in February, but also in Ivory Coast. We have further GDP rebases. As you may remember, last year, um, there was a GDP rebase of Nigeria, which increased the size of the economy by 89%. This year, we have already seen the GDP rebase of Tanzania, which increased the size of the economy by 32%. And apart from from those stories, we're also going to see more investment going into the continent as well in 2015. Geographically, if you were to put your client hat on for a moment, where should our executives be focusing their attention this year? And and has it changed from the prior years? Well, let's rather speak about where our clients are focusing their attention right now, irrespective of where they should be, because there's a big difference right now. And it also depends on how risk averse companies are. We have definitely seen our clients still focusing on Nigeria. It remains the number one most watched frontier markets in our frontier market sentiment index. However, there's a definitive shift from West towards East Africa in terms of our clients' investment plans for a variety of reasons. First of all, last year we had um, the impact of Ebola in West Africa, which even though it only impacted a few very small economies, has definitely tarnished the reputation of West Africa overall. Then we also have, of course, the elections coming up in a few key West African markets, and investors are a little bit jittery about those. We also had recently a coup in Burkina Faso. So there are a few reasons why our clients are currently in a wait-and-see mode in West Africa, whereas in East Africa, things are running much more smoothly. So we definitely see a shift towards East Africa, and that's also going to be the big winner of 2015. I want to dig in kind of and take a tour around the continent kind of region by region. But before we do that, one last kind of 30,000 foot question, which is just around the risk cycle and and kind of which risks our clients should also be prepared for just across the continent uh, in the year ahead. You mentioned oil prices, but what other risks uh, should we be thinking about? 
Yes, so I think uh, most definitely risk that we have been seeing increasing right now is an uptick in terrorist activity. That's probably a global trend, but we see it pretty much in West Africa and also in East Africa, and also some risks related to the elections um, I referred to earlier. And all of them, coupled with the low oil price, um, are having impact on very volatile currencies as well. Okay, and I want to dive deeper, and maybe we can do that as we go region by region. But let's start with Nigeria as we go around the major economies. Given the current oil price shock and, uh, as you mentioned, several times upcoming elections, let's talk about your view for the country in the short term. So we have revised down our GDP forecasts considerably for Nigeria from about 6 to 7% in 2014 to about 4.4% for 2015. And we keep revising them down because our forecasts for the oil price keep on falling as well. So currently we're looking at an oil price forecast of $55 per barrel. And that's how the GDP forecast for Nigeria is linked to that. And, and the reason we are a little bit negative about Nigeria right now in 2015 is because of the elections. Um, elections in Nigeria are usually um, already an event that is a bit unsettling at the best of times. But they typically come along with outbreaks of of violence and rising inflation as well. But this year's elections are really a little bit more chaotic, if you will. And and that's because of the current macroeconomic environment of the country, the rising insurgency activity by Boko Haram. We've just uh, continuously hear in the news about new attacks recently and increasing division between the Christian South and the Muslim North of the country. And they, these factors mean that the elections right now are going to be held in a very volatile backdrop. And that could undermine Nigeria's long-term positive growth story and could also derail it from that positive growth stories. However, we will have to watch closely what's going to happen in February during the elections because um, the world should also not underestimate Nigeria's ability to actually muddle through crisis and come out as a more unified and stronger country and even potentially a more democratic country where more reforms are taking place because that's what has happened in the past in Nigeria when there have been crises. And the election is on February 14th, correct? Exactly. And we're going to monitor it. We're going to report about it. So our clients should really follow our coverage on Nigeria closely. And just without getting into elections in too much detail, but just from a scenario planning, when we think about our, our clients, what can they expect going into the election short term and then, and then for the year kind of based on your, your current thinking? So in the short term, there's definitely going to be a wait and see mode, right? Um, the government spending plans are on hold right now. So everyone working with the government will be in a, in a wait and see and in, in a hold mode. And that has direct implications on demand, both from um, other businesses, from, from government spending, of course, as well as from consumers. And um, because a lot of consumers are very worried about the situation in Nigeria at the moment, especially in light of the depreciating Naira that has really um, depreciated quite dramatically recently. So if the elections pass smoothly and if there's no violence um, coming out of the elections, then we think that 2015 is overall going to be not as negative. It's going to be a, a year of growth. However, there will be, of course, less government spending and less consumer spending, given that the country depends so much on, on oil. If you're a client executive and Nigeria is an important part of your sub-Saharan Africa portfolio, what should you be doing differently right now to prepare for this period of, uh, of uncertainty and volatility? 
Well, most importantly is that Nigerian political elites really depend on the business and investment to maintain power. So the business community can actually play a very active role in trying to calm down tensions in the country. So what we would suggest is to actually join forces with other businesses on the ground and remind politicians of the need for peace and security for investment plans and economic development of the country. And apart from that, of course, have contingency plans in place and monitor developments closely. That's what, what we would suggest. But over Overall, keep your Nigeria plans on track because the, the country is going to remain a very important one. And once it comes out of the crisis, it's likely going to take off again. Setting aside Nigeria, what about the rest of the West Africa region? So the rest of the West Africa region is going to continue to grow primarily on the back of natural resources and economic diversification and foreign investment. However, of course, there are a few markets that are uh, still experiencing quite a bit of volatility, especially Ghana, which is still stuck in an economic crisis, and a few of the smaller West African markets, which have suffered quite um, severely from the impact of Ebola. So the outlook for 2015 for West Africa is mixed. For the long term, it remains positive. Okay, let's um, move to the East now and let's talk a little bit more specifically about Kenya and East Africa. What are the key headline numbers there and and the key themes that we're, we're tracking for 2015? So as I mentioned before, East Africa is going to be the big winner in 2015. We, we have constantly revised Kenya's GDP growth upwards. So it was about 5% um, last year, and we're expecting 6.2% in 2015. And that is primarily driven by public and private sector spending and also consumer spending. And there's a lot of FDI going into the, into the country, especially in the oil and gas sectors, because there are a lot of natural resources there that are currently being um, explored and expected to come online at the minimum in, in 2000. 2016 in the region. There's also an ongoing push for regional integration. So the different economies within East Africa actually increasing their trade ties. They are doing more business with each other and they're improving infrastructure within the region. We have um, a very rapid development of the private sector. So we see more and more Kenyan businesses, for example, move into other East African countries to set up operations there. And um, Kenya is really going to be the main beneficiary of that trend because Kenya is the most important economy in the region and it has a very strong influence in, in neighboring markets. So overall, Kenya is going to be the, the main benefactor of, of growth in the overall East Africa region. And that will also mean, of course, for our clients rising competition because more companies are investing locally. And you talked about the importance of investment in the oil and natural resource industry, but given uh, what's going on with oil price, do you see potential for some of that being delayed, or is that something that you, you see the investments holding the course on? No, that's definitely a downside risk. So if you ask me about losers and winners in terms of sectors, I think those that are currently investing in oil and gas exploration are probably going to be on the losing side right now. They are still continuing with plans, but um, it, it would not surprise me if some of the plans would be delayed or put on hold altogether at the moment. So it's something that we're watching closely, but so far we haven't necessarily seen um, that happen. However, on the flip side, there's, there's a very positive development because the uh, low oil prices mean that they're actually passed down to the consumers. They're freeing up spending. So consumers are spending more and the government is spending more and businesses are spending more. So they are definitely currently still a winner from the low oil price. Once they start to produce oil, that's a different story, of course. Okay. And uh, you mentioned the, the risk of oil price, but there are, there are other risks that you want to highlight for uh, East Africa, for Kenya and East Africa more generally? 
Yes, so again, um, rising terrorist activity we see specifically in, in Kenya and along the coastal areas are a threat for the region. And typically when a terrorist attack happens, it impacts the tourism sector and it impacts consumer confidence. And that, of course, has an effect um, for our clients. Then we're also going to see um, elections in, in Uganda in 2016, but 2015 is going to be a year where we're going to see some pre-election campaigning happening. And, um, and given that uh, Museveni has been in power for quite a long time in Uganda, that could uh, cause a little bit of uncertainty there as well. But overall, the outlook is positive. All right, let's move to the center, Central Africa, Um, not necessarily a region our clients are currently investing in. And I guess the simple question here is, why is that? And, And secondly, do you expect a change for Central Africa in terms of priority for our clients in 2015? No, I don't expect a change for 2015, simply because the region is still very volatile. It's a very large region, it's a very diverse region, but it is extremely volatile. And especially now, because of the low commodity prices overall, the region is a major exporter of commodities. 2015 is likely going to be more volatile than it already is usually. On the other hand, it's important to highlight that it it represents a sizable consumer opportunity, especially the Congo DRC. There are a lot of people there. And so it is actually quite an attractive region if you sell um, high-volume, low-value goods. So I think that the Central Africa region is going to emerge probably next year or even more into the future. But right now, not top of mind for our clients, no. Let's move to the south and talk about the region more broadly, but let's specifically focus on South Africa, given uh, the size and the importance of that country to, to the region. Maybe talk about your headline numbers and then some of the key themes. Okay, so let's start with South Africa there. So South Africa's growth story has been pretty pretty bad in, in the last couple of years since 2012, simply because there have been a lot of strikes going on in the country, slow demand from the country's biggest um, trade partners, uh, the Eurozone and as well as, as China. And, and that has meant that um, South Africa's GDP growth has been, I think, 1.5 in the end of 2014. And we have actually revised that um, downward quite a bit throughout the year because of um, no positive outlook really for the country. Now um, we've revised it up to 1.7% for 2015, simply because we believe that the country is going to benefit somewhat from the low oil price. It's going to free up a little bit of consumer spending, not much, but a little bit. So a little bit more of a positive outlook. But the political challenges that impact South Africa persist. There are very strong and disruptive labor unions there. The rent is very volatile. It's linked to global financial flows, and that's why the rent really reacts badly to any kind of um, global event. And that means it it has depreciated quite a lot, which has impacted, of course, um, spending power for imported goods in the market. So overall, uh, 2015 is not going to look great for South Africa. Also, because of a huge electricity crisis the country is facing and there are massive blackouts and they are, of course, impacting industries quite severely. So that's it for South Africa and not a lot of good news coming out there for this year. However, if we look at the region more broadly, there are a few winners. So, for example, Mozambique is a a country where a lot of FDI is going into because it has huge gas resources and there's a lot of investment going into the country right now. 
So the frontier markets of the region are doing well. The more established markets, not so well, because they're very much linked to South Africa. So, for example, also South Africa's immediate neighbors are not doing greatly as well because of economic linkages to South Africa. When we think about winners and losers, even within South Africa, are there pockets of opportunity for our clients in certain sectors? Yeah, yeah, for sure. There is still a lot of opportunity, and we see a lot of our clients investing in the consumer sector despite depressed consumer spending because there is still a sizable middle class, and that is, is not to be ignored. However, there's, um, I would say if there was a winning sector, it's the manufacturing sector because, of course, the very low rent allows um, companies to export quite cheaply to neighboring markets. Okay. I want to move to Angola as well. Angola was a spotlight market for our clients. A lot of interest in that over the last 12 to 18 months. Is it still as attractive uh, or should clients think about Angola a little bit differently? It is still attractive in the long term. And, and that's maybe a very important caveat you point out here, because when we look at the markets within sub-Saharan Africa, um, usually our clients look at them with a much more long-term perspective, because those markets are used to volatility. And typically, you have one year of volatility in one, it then moves to the next region. But overall, if you invest in one of those markets, it is for the long term, and you're really only going to reap the rewards in the long term. So if we look at Angola, that's a case in point, because Angola is a, is a country, it's the third largest economy in sub-Saharan Africa after Nigeria and South Africa, but it's actually going through also a crisis because it's a major oil exporter. So we have revised downward our GDP forecast from over 5% to about 3% in 2015, and that's because of the impact of the oil price. As I mentioned before, it's a major oil exporter, and that will impact government spending. It's going to impact business spending and consumer spending. However, Angola is better prepared to weather the storm than Nigeria because it has really learned a lesson from from the last crisis in 2008-2009, and it has uh, good reserves in place, and it's probably going to come out of it a little bit more prepared. So I wouldn't change the way our clients um, view the market in any way. I just think that 2015 is not going to be the best year for the market. Okay. And before we wrap up, I wanted to come back to the 30,000 foot level for a second, because we've talked about oil price and we've talked about currency volatility as kind of potential global disruptors causing more volatility in, in the region. The one we haven't really talked about, you hinted at it a little bit with South Africa, but is a, is a slowdown in China and how that would impact uh, the different parts of the market. Could you maybe just talk about that as a global disruptor? Yes, well, it will impact different sub-Saharan African markets differently because it will definitely have a major impact on commodity exporters to China. So, for example, Zambia has definitely had um, some repercussions because of slowing demand from China and their demand for copper. Angola is another one that would suffer more severely from it because they export all, primarily most of their oil to China as well. Some markets will not be much affected by a slowdown in China, such as, for example, Nigeria. They have limited relationships with, with China. So it is really is a case-by-case basis, and it would have to be um, planned accordingly in terms of the impact of our clients' operations, depending on where they are how they go about it. One of the one of the nice tools I think in your research and uh, your regional overview that report that accompanies this discussion is uh, you, you do put together a uh, China sensitivity index that goes market by market, and I think uh, our clients should take a look at that because, as you say, there are some clear winners and some clear markets that are, are at greater risk. I want to be sensitive to time, but I know that you've got a very uh, robust, forward-looking research agenda ahead. So maybe just as a closing comment, you could maybe highlight what we can expect uh, next in terms of the research agenda. I know you're uh, about to go off on travels and part of the team is already traveling in region, but maybe you can give us a quick uh, 
20 seconds on that? Of course. So 2014 was all about um, doing business in East and West Africa. And we have released a series of reports on doing business in those sub-regions. And we continue our tour throughout the different sub-regions of the continent. 2015 is going to be all about Southern Africa, as well as a deeper dive into some of the key economies, such as Nigeria as well. So a lot for our clients to look forward to. Excellent. Well, Anna, thank you so much for the time. As a reminder, you can speak to Anna or any member of the FSG research team at any time by scheduling time via your FSG client relationship director. You can also access all of our sub-Saharan research and all FSG content on our portal at portal.frontierstrategygroup.com. This concludes our podcast. Until next time, we wish you great outperformance across your emerging market portfolio.